Hello there, Jamie. Hello, Dr. My J. That's like Dr. J Martini the <laughs> third. I love that. That's yeah. sh- you should change your name to that. I know. I kind of want to. Yeah. But <laughs> I mean, it makes it it's it's it just makes sense. It makes sense. <laughs> so it checks out. It checks out. Martini the third, especially. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, I'm Jamie Montez, and I'm a scientist. And I'm Rebecca Knox, and I'm an actress and filmmaker. And we are Slice Me Nice. So today we have a really interesting guest. Would you yeah. like to talk about them? Um, yes. So our guest today is one of my friends, um, and she is an ancient astrologer. She also is my personal therapist, <laughs> but she is an ancient astrologer. Um, she also does tarot readings, and she is an artist as well. She is going to be explaining to everyone the difference between the many different types of astrology and what everyone knows is our rising, our sun and our moon and the time of, you know, when you were born and what all that kind of means and how you can map everything out. Actually, you know what? Why don't you tell us what are your sun, moon and rising? Okay. I always forget, but why would I forget? Because I am, I live by it. So, (laughs) okay. So my rising are my ascending is Aquarius. My moon is Oh no, it happened again. Okay. I think it's Sagittarius. Is it? I have a whole one. I don't remember. Um, I, know I can't believe son. you don't remember, Jamie. Sue me. Sun, Aries. My moon is Virgo. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And your ascending is Aquarius. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Interesting. My concept. moon is Virgo. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Are you trying to be like Megan Fox? Yeah. So <laughs> you funny. Go ahead. Stellium of planets in your fifth house. In your fifth house. I don't know if that's real, but anyway. Wait, okay. um, What's yours? <laughs> I am a Taurus sun, Scorpio moon, and my rising or ascending is mm-hmm. Cancer. Okay. So Mara, our, your friend's name is Mara. And so she is going to explain what these different signs mean in Hellenistic astrology for each chart and like what the rising sign represents and what role the sun sign plays. And then if your uh, chart is sun or moon also, honestly, if you are interested, anyone who's listening, you should totally book a session with her. She's really on point. Mm, She does. mm. She's going to talk about tarot. Yeah. She's very on point. She's very in tune. It's really interesting stuff. I love it. We love it. She's like, okay. So little backstory. So I'm unhinged naturally. And so anything you're going to say that every episode, just so everyone remembers. (laughs) So, um, anything that happens, I'm like, Oh God, I gotta like, instead of like journaling, which I do sometimes, but like, instead of doing things like that, I guess that, uh, a a normal, like, is that whatever I am like, Hmm, I'm going to call Mara. I need, I need some answers. I need facts. And 
this is what she does. She, she was like, she breaks it down and she is like, okay, so this is what's happening. This is what, this is, this is correct because you this should be feeling this, this is life the you're in. And then she'll throw some cards down and it's just like bada bing, bada boom. Everything checks out. And I then mean, I can kind of go back to normal and just be like, I, right. I do have a hard time though, with the word facts when we're relating to this stuff, because I feel like facts are so tangible where this is kind of more like in the ether, like where it's like, you're kind of trusting in an unknown sense and feeling and kind of magic, right? It is magic. Um, facts yeah. to me though. Facts <laughs> to you. And as long as they're facts <laughs> to you, I mean, I always take everything with a grain of salt and I do get yeah. like readings done and all of that. But when they do end up proving themselves to be on point and, and things do come to fruition, I always am like, what does it mean? What I know mean? nothing. I don't know anything either, but I do know that like, okay. So the first time she did my chart and then um, kind of broke everything down to me, by the way, like looking at your chart, your natal chart and all that stuff is like a riddle. I don't know if anyone's ever seen it. It's like a wheel and the wheel of fortune essentially. And so it breaks down everything for you. And, um, so she's breaking it down for me and I'm like, everything is just beep, bop, bop, boop, bop, bop. And yeah. <laughs> I'm not, I'm just like, okay, cool. Then after that, she, did a deck of cards and just like for the whole like year, just a general reading and everything kind of like collided together. I will tell you the things that she said to me that were in the present and in the future, along with the past, everything I'm not kidding. And I always talk about this. It matched up. And mm-hmm. so that was, I'm like, I'm sold. I am sold. And mm-hmm. then from that point on, anytime I was kind of like having like weird transition emotionally, um, I would ask her, I'm like, what, what's happening? And she kind of breaks it down. Why do I trust that? I don't know why I trust it. It's like, do, would I trust a stranger with my valuable things or like walking in a dark alleyway? No, but for some reason, like yeah. I trust this and I'm like, yep, everything checks out. Like well, I have no questions for the most part. I think that's like the working of the universe though. You know, like you have faith yeah. in something and manifestation and things, you know, you just have to have trust in, in your path. You have to, otherwise, I mean, I know I just crumble if I believed all the bullshit I told myself that was like negative God, I'd be lost. Yeah. It's going to be really cool to talk to her. And seriously, you fun. guys, you should book with her because She's amazing. It's really really insightful. I don't want to share anything about my reading I had with her because it's still really early in the year. And she said very specific things that I'm like, okay, (laughs) don't Mm want to talk about them. They're not important, but I mean, they They are are important, but you just want them for yourself. Yeah, exactly. I want them Mm -hmm. for myself. Um, (laughs) But I am very curious to see like at the end of the year, like how things do play out. But anyway, Jamie, on that note, yes, would you like to share? Should we have our fact of the day? Yeah. So my fun fact is um, us as human beings actually can swallow or ingest razor blades and our stomach (laughs) acid is strong enough to dissolve it. Within like two hours, that's how strong your stomach acid is. 
Yeah. It's like super aesthetic, right? So, so it can break down a razor blade, but mm-hmm. it can't break, like it doesn't break down your esophagus when you're puking up bile. Oh, it actually does break down your esophagus. So, you know, when you puke mm-hmm. and you have, um, like you feel like you got like a cat scratch, like it's cause like a- it tore. It's because it's burnt. You have like actual like acid burn. So yeah, it, it, it we don't puke acid. bile or like, you know what I'm saying? We're not puking that up all, all the time. Ever. We're not mm-hmm. hardly ever doing that. So yeah, that's <laughs> at least I'm not, I'm and not I, either, <laughs> but yeah, isn't that crazy? Um, that is such a goth slash emo. I don't know if that's even a good thing to tell the public. Cause I feel like that's a dangerous thing to tell. Obviously people. you, you, how would you even like, you wouldn't be able to like swallow it, but it's just, I mean, it would fucking hurt. Right. What if it cuts? I don't know. Anyway, that's crazy. Um, what's your fact, what's your fact? <laughs> A giant black hole hurls through space at 5 million miles per hour. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> cool. I just thought it was cool because I'm obsessed with black holes right now. And yeah. NASA is going to like blast. They're planning to blast off a satellite into um, space, into a black hole to see if it's possible to record the big bang because there's a theory that it's how you can like time travel ripple through time and space and obviously time does not exist so I don't know I think that's cool I really love that NASA is really just getting experimental up in this bitch and just throwing shit at a wall and seeing what sticks you know what I mean like let's just put a fucking satellite into a black hole and see if we can record the big bang what how does that work why does anyone believe that? I don't know. But you know what? I just want to say one last thing. Before we um introduce our bring our guest on, I just want to mm-hmm. share that I bought a really cool t-shirt today. And I actually, I guess it's a band. I didn't know that. I just bought it. You didn't know it was a band? No. I literally got it because I like what it says. My t-shirt says alien sex fiend. And I just think it's badass. And I was like, it is badass. Yeah, alien I thought you knew sex that was a band. Fiend. No, I, what do they sound like? I don't know. They sound okay. Okay. I'm going to look it up after because I am going to be rocking this all the time. I just thought it would be cool to like rock a t-shirt that says alien sex fiend. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. uh, Moving forward, please. Um, So we are going to introduce our guest and see how that goes. Knock, knock. (laughs) Who's there? Welcome, Mara. Thanks for joining us today. Hi. Thanks for having me. Yes. So um, tell us a little bit about your background in astrology. Uh, So I've been practicing modern astrology probably since 2008-2009. I switched over to Hellenistic astrology uh, probably 2019, um, right before the pandemic, um, with the kind of like resurgence and and availability of more professional like more access to professional astrology on online um hellenistic or ancient astrology is a classical form of astrology that differs um from other schools like evolutionary or psychological um vedic um 
horary electional. There's many different schools and types of astrology that people practice, but I really um, have been interested in practicing the classical ancient techniques that you get from Hellenistic astrology because they combine the best of two things. One, the kind of, you know, the agency of free will and the other, which is the fate and fortune, which is sort of beyond our control. So there's a real combination there that I've found in ancient astrology using those techniques that I have not been able to find in modern astrology. Um, so that's kind of where I'm coming from in terms of it. I, I really more of like, um, you know, it's been self-study for me. I don't have formal training, but I have been practicing and studying it for the last few years. Um, I do have a question for you though, right off yeah. the bat. What yeah. is the difference between Hellenistic astrology versus the kind of astrology that is mainstream that we know today, the stuff that you see on pop Instagram, culture. pop yeah. culture. Yeah, like what differentiates that from what we know in pop culture? Um, there's a couple of things um, in, in modern astrology, for example, classical astrology, you're working with the seven visible planets. They were called the seven wandering stars. So those were the planets that, you know, before telescopes, you know, in whatever, 600 AD, um, when people were observing the movements of the stars and, um, you know, pre-enlightenment, they were known as, you know, like I said, the seven, seven wandering stars. The, the techniques and the structure is far deeper and more rich than psychological or modern astrology in particular. Modern astrology really became popular. It's had, it's gone through phases. So, you know, people, there, there are these phases of you know, interest in like mysticism and the occult and um, spiritualism, you know, in the 19th century with the rise of industrialism. Um, there was also a co-movement co of, you know, let's go to the past, let's, what's beyond, you know, because of out of the fear and anxiety of like the forward movement of the industrial um, complex, basically, like, mm -hmm. so, um, to kind of sum it up, the Hellenistic, particularly Hellenistic ancient astrology is rooted in classical philosophy, uh, Plato uh, in particular. And um, whereas modern astrology came about really in the turn of the century of the 20th century um, and had a number of sort of prominent and well-known astrologers that popularized it to the mainstream culture that it's really the early century that when sun signs became, you know, published in newspapers as entertainment, forms of entertainment. Um, and also the difference really is that there were other movements like the theosophy, which was kind of a spiritualist movement happening um, in the 20th century that sort of got conflated with modern. So mm -hmm. if you're just, but if you're looking at it just in a strict technical way, ancient astrology is really, you know, utilizing more, it's utilizing the concept of fate and free, and free will together. Whereas I feel like modern is, also because it came up in that time where, you know, you had Freud and Jung and the rise of psychoanalysis, there was this sort of um, more, it's a cl more closely linked, I think, to kind of an unconscious process that's within, rather than classical, which is more external, internal relationship, I think, my, my personal view on it. You can look at like these phases. So the popularization of, you know, astrology in the 60s and the 70s, for example. And I think it's very similar to like what's happening now in terms of it's sort of being in vogue or being in fashion. So it kind of 
goes out there into the world and becomes, you know, you know, homogenized and, you know, it's kind of fun and entertainment, mm-hmm. but also it's, it's much more complex. I feel when you are looking at it through the lens of the classical antiquity, because you also have to understand the classical world. One other distinction, which I may have skipped over, which is that you're using the seven modern, the seven classical planets. Um, and now most astrologers who are practicing ancient astrology, they also use the three extra ones that were discovered um, in the last century or so. Like, so there's the seven classical, there's the sun and the moon, those are the two luminaries. Then there's the, the other five. The next one after the sun and the moon is Mercury. That's the one that can travel between the upper and the lower worlds. Then there's Venus and Mars. They're sort of considered the illicit lovers, you know, the warrior and the lover. And then there's Jupiter and Saturn. And it's sort of like Jupiter's sort of the, the sage, the, the, the philosopher, you know, Jupiter was uh, Zeus and Saturn was, you know, Zeus's dad. <laughs> so mm-hmm. um, Saturn's like, you know, old age and things like that. Then there's the three outer planets, which are um, Pluto, uh, Neptune, and Uranus, which were in modern astrology, as they were discovered, they were they were assigned to the some Scorpio, uh, Pisces, and Aquarius. Um, there are reasons for that, why it was assigned to those particular signs, but they were said to be sort of those three new planets were said to be the higher octaves of, for example, Venus. Um, Mercury and um, Mars they were sort of supposed to be sort of like related outer planets Um, so it's only recently that those signs were um, assigned only within the last yes only within the last century I think I don't know the exact (laughs) dates of when they were discovered but it hasn't been that long so we haven't seen those cycles play out Mm. interesting so in Hellenistic astrology then what what were they assigned to and do you still abide by what they were assigned to so you you basically are using them as impl- planetary influences, but you're not using them. The main difference is that you're not using them as rulers of signs. Mm-hmm. So they exist. Mm-hmm. So, uh, mm-hmm. so for example, instead of like you might read Pisces is, oh, the ruler's Neptune. That's the modern ruler. Right. And you'll see that distinction. Oh, that's the modern ruler. Jupiter's the, the ancient ruler. Um, but if you're using the Hellenistic techniques or the ancient astrology techniques, you're not using the outer planets as rulers you're using them sort of as separate stars or separate planets that have their own rules their own influence and they do have a purpose and they do influence the chart but they're not Mm. influencing it in the same this the system of rulership is a very important concept in in traditional astrology Mm -hmm. um you start with the planets then you go down to the signs then you go into the houses that's sort of like those are the three and then the final as part of those aspects, which is the relationships between the planets. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I just want to, no, I just want to bring it back yeah. to when you say it was a little bit, it's a little bit deeper um, yeah. and you have more of a connection, which I just want you to elaborate a little bit more. Um, just because I am, I always talk to you all the time <laughs> about like <laughs> my yeah. spirals and I'm like, what's going on? So I just kind of want to kind of go over just like, the, your sun, your moon, your, your rising yeah. and yeah. your, you know, your time of birth. Well, how important are those things in your chart and to what's going on and kind of what you say, quote unquote, just giving me a weather report and how right. I can actually understand what's happening and choose to behave accordingly, because right. at the end of the day, we don't have any control and it's kind of like letting go and just choosing how you're going to react. 
Right. So. But even in saying that, even in saying we don't have control, but then we are going to choose our reaction, yeah. this is still an interplay of yeah. we can't control what happens to us. We can only control how we may act or react to the situation. Mm -hmm. um, so there is still a relationship. Um, I So the rising sign in traditional astrology was considered the, the most important sign because it, when you're looking at a horizon line, so you're looking at a horizon line, the the sign there's two motions there's a there's a there's a motion of the zodiac which is kind of moving this way through like imagine this is the horizon line as we're looking here <laughs> uh, everything above it is you know the sky everything below is the earth under the earth is not visible when you're looking at a chart it's a round circle and there's you know like pie pieces all throughout that horizon line on the eastern side of it is your rising sign because what's happening is that the zodiac sign the constellation that's rising up out of the earth into this the sphere of of life so you are emerging out of your mother's body into life is this is symbolically correlated to that sign that's rising up out of the earth so it's like an omen okay mm -hmm. so that's why the time is very important in traditional astrology it was not your your sun sign and your moon sign those are important um those are important planets however there are just a couple of distinctions to be made with that also the rising sign was considered to be because it's the first sign it's you coming out is said was said to be your physical body your personality um of all of the areas of the chart which there's 12 areas of life there that is the one that's considered to be the most you of all of them so other things in the chart might be your your marriage and partnerships your children your home and family your parents your job um, your money, your, you know, themes around death or themes around sickness, um, physical illness, mental illness, all of those subject matters are different parts of your life. The rising sign is you and the rest is like your life. If that clears mm -hmm. it up. Mm -hmm. okay. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does. Okay. So and that's then... why when you're reading horoscopes, horoscopes are were primarily created as a sun sign horoscope, but I don't, it, the general public is not as much aware of like what is sun what is the purpose of the sun sign mm -hmm. the sun sign encompasses an entire month because mm -hmm. the constellation the sun is traveling through that constellation for an entire month mm. um and the sun is an important component of your chart it's it's like your vitality your life force so if you are the rising sign the sun sign is sort of the, the path that you're choosing to sort of carry out the needs of the self if that okay. makes sense yeah. But uh, can you elaborate on that a little bit? So like the path that you're choosing. So say, okay, I'm going to give myself yeah. an example. Yeah. I'm a Taurus sun. So mm -hmm. what does that mean in terms of me choosing how I choose to go about my path is like What's the characteristics rising? is yeah. a cancer. So but the then cancer Taurus. Rising. Yeah. yeah. So the cancer rising, if the cancer rising is you, your personality, your physical body, your appearance, like all of that is governed by the moon so that's one that's another thing that i will talk about which is the kind of what i would consider to be the second part of the, the like one of the most important parts of that now that is something that's been debate was even debated on even in classical times between different astrologers and philosophers about is there one planet that controls the de destiny of life or is that is it the entire chart or you know there's all there's a lot of arguments around that but if the rising sign is you, 
it's a your cancer rising. So the moon and themes around caring, nurturing, um, protection, the home, women, uh, children, the vulnerable, those are all sort of moon mm -hmm. influences. Um, if those things are sort of your personality, your persona, your Taurus sun sign is like what's shining out into the world to carry that through. So you might carry it out by doing, by being, by bringing all of those themes of like emotion and caretaking, nurturing into something material and physical and grounded. Interesting. And Venus and like, you know, actualizing. Earth signs are always about materializing physical, they're physical signs. It's so, so interesting how layered it's so yeah, weird. so they're taking your like emotional, these emotional qualities, the water qualities into something physical. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. Taurus being a Venus ruled sign also, it's not just physical, but it's some, it's sort of about making or, or materializing something in a way that corresponds with Venus themes and characteristics. Love. So, yes, love, relationships, harmony, um, security in particular in Taurus. Venus rules two signs, Libra and Taurus. And in Taurus, it's it's a fixed sign. So mm -hmm. that means it, it likes to hold steady. Um, mm -hmm. It's it's a very securing, you know, building um, type of energy. And then the final part of that would be like, where where is that doing it that in your life? Is it doing it in the area of your children? Is it doing it in the area of your work? Um, in your relationships so that's sort of that's just breaking down a rising in the sun mm -hmm. for example um there is a second part of that which is that in that there's a, a concept that was lost also which is about having a night chart versus a day chart mm -hmm. so if you have a day chart that means that horizon line their sun that sun is above the horizon it's above your right your rising sun if your sun's below it you're a night chart what does that mean? It means that the moon. I'm a night chart. Moon chart. sign may take prominence. I think I'm a night chart too. Are you? I think uh, you are. are. I know Jamie. You are. I yeah. know. Because sure. you, you do. You definitely help. I, I know about you helping Jamie quite a bit. All the time. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. Yep. Which yep. is is so cool. <laughs> no, because you know what's funny is that when I read, when I'm looking at people's charts often. Um, I also can, I also remember, especially if I have a relationship with that person, like friendship or something, I, I will sometimes be doing random things and I will like that person's chart will show up in my mind. It's a very strange thing. Like I'll be thinking about something and I'll like, I will literally see the chart visually. And then I will see like a planet and, the, and see the planet in the chart and like make an association and be like, I have to tell that person or yep. I have to, you know, like, it's weird. That's great. I mean, that. <laughs> That's so cool. I don't know why. I'm not like that in any other, well, a little bit. Well, then you're doing the right thing. I seems. know. Yeah. So what is the difference between a night chart and a day chart then? Um, the idea comes from um, those, like I said, there's the two luminaries. So there's the day, which is more like it's, it was, if you think about the sun, the sun is masculine to some, masculine to some degree in the sense that it just is, it just exists. It's, if we don't have the sun, we can't live. It's, it's life itself. The moon is light that is reflected. So the moon is more receptive. It's more, um, you know, uh, in, sometimes interior. Um, and the moon, so the idea is that day, the sun has its own like team of planets that will help or hurt it. 
because there's this whole concept of like, like I said, like being above or below the earth. And like when some signs like Mars, for example, when Mars is up above the earth, Mars mm. is a hot and dry sign. Um, that comes from a whole other concept, which you may know about medieval astrology or Renaissance astrology, mm -hmm. which is oh, yeah. the yeah. you know, like being like um, choleric or- Yes, like, and then they just bleed that, you. It's like yes, the cure that's where it is- comes from is that you have a right. melancholic constitution that's correlated right. to astrology. And then someone so, who's like more yellow. I, I remember learning about this, the Renaissance. Yeah, stuff. it's more about being hot and dry. So right. it's Vedic also, it's about being like, uh, you know, wet, hot, cool, warm. Vedic so as in like uh, Vata, Pita. Yes. yes. And the third, Vata. I don't remember. Vata. Yes. Yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah. So it's very similar because, you know, Hellenistic astrology, I mean, was historically was moving all around, you know, it's supposedly originated in Egypt and, and Babylon and Alexandria, King Alexandria, when there were all these like intellectuals and different mixings of cultures. Um, Persian astrology was also very, you know, highly, you know, in, in prominence, you know, it'd be pre, I think it came after Hellenistic um, or co. Um, but anyway, it made its way over to India. So India's, India has its own Vedic astrology is a whole other world where they have their own cultural and you know um, philosophical mm -hmm. like foundations for for that. But there are some similarities in, in in the sense of like that the temperaments of the planets, for example. So just to go back to like the day and the night. So a day chart, there are certain planets that like they like to be around each other. So this, if you are a day chart, your best planet is Jupiter and your worst planet is Mars because Mars doesn't like to be up in the daylight because it's hot. So it's like it, it gets inflamed and it's like flares up and it's violent and it's severing and it's very like, you know, aggressive. Bad attitude. You bad. Yeah, real bad, <laughs> real bad. <laughs> and then the night chart is you would be the <laughs> best planet. Your best planet is um, Venus and your worst planet is Saturn. And the reason for that is because Saturn is cold and dry and isolated and far away. So when it's in a cool, dark place, it's even worse. That's mm. where I'm at right now. So you would right? want it, to, you know what I mean? Like you would want your Saturn, if you're a night chart, you'd want your Saturn to be up in the day because it would temper it a little bit. But if it's also underneath there, there's a whole analysis that comes in for many different factors with planets, like where they are, who they're relating to, who they're ruled by, et cetera. It's called, you know, when you're analyzing the dignity of a planet, basically. And that's, that's kind of like, what's the health of the planet? Is it healthy? Can it do what it needs to do? Does it have trouble? Who's hanging out with it? Who's helping it? Who's hurting it? I feel like and lately mine are not <laughs> good. Like they're not healthy lately. Well, I think, is that, is that, a is that part of like the, you know, I guess Hellenistic astrology is your journey so there will be planets that have opposing rulers and in the placement of your chart, it's going to cause different struggles that you have to overcome in this lifetime yeah. kind of thing. Yes. You know, yes. they're sort of like, there's weak points and good points. And that's another right. that's in ancient astrology. That's that was kind of taken out of modern astrology because they were like, you know, this is too, that was medieval times and, you know, classical Greece, like we're not living in antiquity anymore. Like we don't need to have good and bad planets. Like mm -hmm. we're going to remove that, but actually they have a strong function because they really tell you about, you know, the fact that there is good and evil in the world. So there's, 
there's malefic planets, that's Mars and Saturn, and there's benefic planets, that's Venus mm. and Jupiter. Um, you know, Venus being love, harmony, women, like I said, beauty, Jupiter being, you know, wealth, um, benevolence, um, uh, chair, like all of these, like, mm. sort of like great, so that's, Jupiter was like the greater benefic, and Venus is the lesser benefic, and then in in uh, the malefics, uh, Mars is the lesser and Saturn is the greater malefic. So we just mm. went through a two year period from 2020 and until just recently of Saturn being in its own sign in Capricorn, but also meeting up with Pluto. And that's what sort of was the cause, the, not the cause, but the correlation um, between the events of the pandemic and astrologically speaking would be the Saturn dominance uh forces if you will yeah. that we all endured which have to do with imprisonment isolation um you know wow yeah and that's yeah. something you could have seen you saw it's it's clear i'm telling you i remember sitting at a, a month before i before it happened i was sitting in at work and um <laughs> and I was like you guys really everyone was like what's gonna happen in 2020 and I was like I don't think you want to know guys it's not great <laughs> something is gonna happen and I remember reading it out and being like you know the last time this conjunction happened was during the plague and you know the great conjunction yeah that's actually the what the great conjunction that people talked about recently was the Aquarius one so Saturn moved from earthy feminine material like actual li literal lockdown to air lockdown so we're still in Saturn times in the sense that Saturn is still in its its home it just moved from the night home to the day home mm. how mm. like if you could tell us where we're at in terms of getting out of this whole global situation we're, we're, we're is out. there we're emerging, we're emerging out but we are emerging into a new world into a new air a lot of astrologers will tell you that it's it's an air century you know an air like the next few hundred years we've been in a in earthy time and we with with the Aquarian conjunction and it's nothing to do with age of Aquarius PS that's something else that's another concept entirely which I can't get into here but um but it has to do with basically moving into an age this age of air so Jupiter was in Aquarius and Saturn was in Aquarius in 2021 um we've now moved Jupiter into its home of Pisces just in December and that is a very positive it's like a relief it's like we can all breathe because Jupiter is like in Pisces and water it's very um imagine imaginative and visionary and artistic and healing and spiritual and all those things I actually have natally not only do I have Jupiter in Pisces myself natally but it's also my chart ruler mm -hmm. so it's something that's um that's actually and it's like the best it's a very it's in a very good healthy place for itself so that's lifting I think a lot of the struggles that everyone has been going through and and also I think there's something about Jupiter and Pisces that's very connected to grief because it is a water sign and because it is Pisces was is the sign that is you know having to do with light so it's coming out of the winter time and it's moving into the spring but it's still in the winter time so it's been in the winter time and there's a duality with all mutable signs where it's the two fishes, right? Um, the mm -hmm. two fishes are, so one is moving this way, the other is moving that way. So one is, 
is moving towards the darkness and wants, you know, has, 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 and one is trying to emerge out of it. So it's, there's this mm. kind of tension and this yearning that comes with Pisces. That's the kind of, there is a kind of sadness or emotional, like, sort of like you're coming into the light where, where you've really been in the dark, mm -hmm. um, which I think is kind of beautiful. So I think yeah. that that's where we are now, where there's this sort of hopefulness there's a hope and there's a kind of a renew there's an emotional renewal that like it's going to get better you know it's going <sighs> springtime we're still in it you know even if we need still, some of that yeah 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 oh, and then you know sick. it's going to other planets are going to move off into we're going to have saturn or jupiter's going to move into aries in the summertime and that's like very fiery so i think that's mm. going to be kind of a cool um hell yeah transit yeah yeah. Okay. Do you want to um, talk to us a little bit about your tarot? Because sure. I, because you do mine quite often. You did Rebs. You um, have done mine. Yeah. I I've love done it. parties. I've done every. I've done work situation. Yeah. Everything. And I will say, every time we do it, with me personally speaking, it's always like spot on, and um, it's it's pretty fucking insane but um yeah. yes how does the tarot uh, and the astrology link up and how do you like that's a form of your own practice correct yeah so they're both well a lot of people who practice tarot also practice some astrology and vice versa but they also tend to be somewhat different worlds to some degree i feel like tarot i i they're both divinatory arts like I Ching, like um oh I don't know, reading tea leaves or, you know, any, whatever mm -hmm. defining tool you might use. Um, but in particular for me, the way I experience reading tarot and um, communicating it is that it's, it definitely is more fluid. Um, astrology for me is very structured and very, even if it is a bit, inter it is an, an interpretive art, there is a very strong, for me, there's more of a, um, strong philosophy and structure and um, less wiggle room, if you will, in terms of how you're reading charts with, um, and I also tend to be more technical, I think with charts than I am with tarot. Tarot for me is, is more, it's more fluid, it's more psychological in the sense that you, you're also using images. So, mm -hmm. and there's a, there's a three-way thing that happens, which is that, you know, I'm pulling cards, I'm, interpreting the cards in a certain fashion and then you are the, the person is receiving that so there's like three parts to it and also the way I experience tarot personally um, is very much the same way as I would experience like drawing and painting it is not within my control mm -hmm. I simply communicating like what I'm I think I'm just you know literally interpreting something mm -hmm. for someone but um it's a very I do experience it as if something's coming like you're channeling getting, yeah channeling. Yeah. you're getting something from me that's not in my control so when I'm doing readings also like I I have a practice of like kind of clear I try to clear myself out I try to like keep everything pure like that making sure that whatever it is that you're going we're going to experience together is going to be you know as everybody always says like for the highest good and for the you know the best purposes like whatever the messages are because sometimes the tarot can be it can really touch on some difficult things um, yeah really sensitive mm. stuff I mean astrology also all of it and especially yeah. when you're when you're working with people I really 
try to um, communicate as much as I can with, you know, as much like humility and grace and love as possible, because mm-hmm. I think that you, it's also your life and your world. And it, you can really hurt somebody if you are not respectful and careful with the information and the relationship that you have. For sure. Yeah. Off on a tangent, but yeah, I've been reading tarot since I was a teenager with my sister. We used to read it together. And then kind of the same time when I got in more into astrology, um, taking it more seriously, I started reading for other people. I was really doing it as a personal practice. And then I started reading for other people. And I really, it was something that I felt I needed less in my life as a personal tool and that other people needed more from me. So it kind of, that's how it kind of came in. I mean, tarot is also, it has rules, it has, you know, a language, it has symbolism, but they are also related <laughs> to yeah. astrology. Like there's four elements, you know, there's, um, there's a range of, you know, there's, it's a story. It's sort of like a set of playing cards. And then you have a, a fool's journey, which is the, the, the major arcana, which is zero to 22. Um, so you have kind of like a big picture fool's journey story, like, the hero's journey, if you will, and like archetypal um, astrology, uh, archetypal um, myths. And then you have those suits of sort of like the player, the players of your life or, you know, the events of your life. So I think mm-hmm. it's a really interesting tool to, again, take something and to inner and bringing it out. Yeah. I think that's really also why I use it because I, I want to help my, the people that I'm working with to sort of mirror what they're feeling in a way for sure right yeah get it once Mm -hmm. I feel like once you're able to get it out you can kind of deal with it that Mm -hmm. makes more of like a transformative um process yeah um yeah well that was thank you for explaining um the, the kind of like the the relationship between those two and like how you practice it and how they do kind of I feel like mirror each other. For- I do have a question actually regarding yeah. it. Go ahead. Um, this is something I'm always curious about. Um, we'll just wrap up with this. And yeah. uh, so in terms of tarot, when you do have cards pulled, first of all, what is sending the message through you? Like what is dictating? Oh, what is the yeah. energy that is dictating the message that needs to be sent? And secondly, do you think it's possible that sometimes when a card is pulled, it then makes you see what you think is reflecting the card. Because I know that when I was doing a lot of tarot, I was like, "Uh uh-oh, wait, is that what that was meaning? But then it's like, am I creating? Yeah. What's that word for that? That's a a good question. And it's a similar question. I'm just gonna, I'm not, I'm gonna come back to it, but it's a similar question as to, for example, astrology. There's the, there's a famous quote that the stars do not, you know, impel, that they compel, they don't impel, meaning, it's a it's a snapshot or a mirror rather than a creation of Mm -hmm. so there's that tension but I think it's the same thing is that and I think anybody who's practicing and 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 skepticism and criticism around these kinds of things which I definitely am a very skeptical person I am somebody who is constantly uh, like is this true is this real I'm not sure you know like I'm really I really skeptical about a lot of things but I will say that um Yes, there's a degree, there's always going to be a degree of projection, just like if you see a therapist, there's going to be a relationship there of you projecting your stuff and then projecting theirs and, you know, that kind of thing. I think that that definitely happens. 
Um, I don't know how you could get around that. But I will also say that there is something to all of these arts that is un uncanny, unexplainable, mm -hmm. strange. Yes, um, for sure. Because I experience it myself when people say like, oh, you said X, Y, Z. And I'm like, I don't even remember saying that. Sometimes I do remember. I'll be like, oh, I remember I pulled this card. But most of the time, it is the same as when I'm drawing or painting. It's like an out-of-body experience, your altered state of consciousness. I don't, I'm there with you reading, but I, it's something else coming through. Mm -hmm. It's like a medium. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like a medium. Like, yeah. yeah. Like yeah. You're just it's kind like of we like have allowing. to accept mm -hmm. the unexpected. Yeah. And it's accepting. sort of like, I'm just, and for me, it's like, I'm just reading the cards. I don't consider myself a medium in the sense that I'm transmitting messages. Like when you, I've seen mediums, I've, you know, for sure. it's a totally different thing. And I've had right. experiences where people come to me and they think I'm a medium. And I'm like, mm, I'm not like a visionary. Like I'm going to look at, I'm going to I mean, you can, some people can do that. It's they yeah. really have that ability. And I think that ability exists like a preconception, but I think precognitive, basically. Yeah. You see something before it's going to happen. I do have that sense and that feeling about things. I think we all, I think actually everybody has it. Yeah. Um, but animal instinct too. Yeah, it's an instinct. And I think it's also like a dream. It's sort For of like, sure. a dream. Mm. but um, yeah, I think, uh, I don't know where it's going with that. <laughs> um, <laughs> just something that happens there's just there is something that happens that is um beyond beyond cognition beyond explaining and um that's the part I think that keeps me engaged in doing it with people because you know oh, oh what I was going to say is that I've had people come to me and be like why don't you you know what is my boyfriend doing right now and I'm like I don't know. Buying. <laughs> you know, you can't end. They're like, and I, that's also something I don't do is like, I won't look into somebody else's life using cards or I won't. And I actually won't look at somebody else's chart without their consent because I just feel like it's not ethical. Moral. Yeah. I, have, I do yeah. have, I do have, you know, <laughs> around some things. Yeah. And ethics, codes of ethics around for my practice. Um, yeah. Great. Cool. Thank you so much, Mara. I think on Thank that you. note, we can wrap up and please for our audience, share with us your socials. So if you yeah. want to book a reading with Mara, you can, and we'll also list it in the comments or yeah. description. It'll all be there, but yeah, please. Yeah. Perfect. Great. Thank you guys. Thank you so much. It was really good to talk about it. Thanks so much for doing this. Okay. Okay. We I'll talk to you later. You. Bye. Bye. Bye.